Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. So how many of you came tonight expecting a healing? Amen. Well, I tell you, God wants you well more than you want to be well. I really believe that. The problem is never God. God has already done his part. He's already healed us by his stripes. We're healed and God wants you well. And so I'm here to share good news with you tonight that whatever you're trying to get God to do, he's already done it. And he's placed the supernatural miraculous power of God on the inside of you. But there's things that you can do that will release the power of God. You know, I was raised in the Baptist church and I had a woman uh, that I talked to this morning who uh, also was raised in the Baptist church and she called it, they have the doctrine of, uh, I, I forgot the word, but anyway, it means all the miracles ceased, whatever that is, cessation or something. And uh, she said she just, in the last couple of weeks, went and talked to her people about some of the things that she'd been learning about the sovereignty of God and stuff and said, uh, basically, they invited her to leave. And, uh, and, but I said, man, it may look bad at the moment, but you know what? You're on a journey. And I said, I've gone through the same thing. And what I didn't know was killing me. And as I begun to learn and hear the gospel and uh, specifically things concerning healing, it's just set me free. So let me introduce tonight as saying that, you know, I haven't figured out everything that there is to know about healing. I don't claim that. I'm still learning and stuff. But what I have learned is working for me to the point, and I hesitate to say this because people think I'm lying, but this is my testimony and I'm sticking with it that I've only been sick twice in 50 years. And that's because of stupidity, not because of lack of faith. But you do have to balance taking care of yourself. And one time I ministered 40 times in one week and then I ministered 41 times the next week and I got so tired, I literally crawled into bed and after 24 hours, I thought I was okay and I went out and split a cord of wood by hand and I got a head cold. And so I fought that. And then one time I came back from England and went 36 hours without any sleep. And when I got home, a pond I had built, uh, the drain was stopped up and it was uh, threatening to overflow. And so it was in January, I broke the ice and got under the water after 36 hours of no sleep to unplug the drain and I got a head cold. So I've had two colds in 54 years. And outside of that, I don't get sick. And so I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to say that I haven't learned it all, but it's working for me. And I've seen miracles. I've seen people raised from the dead. So I preface everything I'm going to say tonight by saying that I believe that it is possible to walk in divine health, not just divine healing. As a matter of fact, let me start with this. I'm not going to take time to go into great depth on this because I really feel like ministering on something else. But let me just share this verse with you out of Exodus chapter 23 and verse 25. So Exodus 23, 25, this is the Lord speaking. And he said, I'm going to send an angel before you. And in verse 25, he says, uh, 
and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he, this angel, will bless thy bread and thy water, and I, the Lord, will take sickness away from the midst of thee. And did you know that the word take and away is a Hebrew word pronounced something like sur, and it, the only definition of it is to turn off. God will turn off sickness in the midst of thee. You know, I believe that Jesus, when he walked on this earth, didn't have any sickness until he took our sickness and our sin unto him on the tree. Uh, people before sin, there was no such thing as sickness. Sickness is not always a result of an individual sin, but it's a result of uh, nature just being out of balance. Our bodies being out of balance, viruses and, and things like this were, were not originally damaging. And so when Jesus was walking on this earth, sinless, I believe that he had sickness turned off. I don't believe he got sick. He took our sicknesses upon him on the cross. But I say all that to say that I believe that God can put you back to a place to where you walk free of sickness. And this is a new wrinkle in most people's brains. Most people have just been brought up to think that, you know, at certain times of the year, it's flu season and allergy season. And as you get older, they give you black balloons and depends on your 40th birthday. And they just say, this is the way it is. And you got to live this way. One of the reasons that Adam lived to be 930 years old is because he didn't know how to die. He didn't know it was a flu season. He didn't know you were over the hill at 40. And I think it took 930 years for the devil to teach him how to die. We have been taught how to die. We've been taught how to embrace sickness, how to expect things. But this says he will turn off sickness in the midst of you. You know, there's a lady, Caroline Leaf. I haven't read her books, so I'm not endorsing her, but I had one, somebody copy a chapter out of one of her books about who switched off my brain. And basically she's a neurosurgeon and she says that every cell in your body it has like a combination lock on it that keeps impurities and radicals out. All of us have radical cells in our body, but this combination keeps them out. But if you have toxic thoughts is what she's saying, it affects that combination and it allows your cells to open up to these radicals and for things to happen. And so she was linking your sickness and disease directly to toxic thoughts. And that's a neurosurgeon saying that. But you know, the scripture says the same thing, that a merry heart does good like a medicine as a man thinks in his heart, so is he and on and on you could go. I believe that there is a link between the way we think and the way our bodies feel. I read that Mary Queen of Scots, the night before she was executed, she was a redhead and she had so much fear and terror come upon her that she turned white headed overnight. Every one of us have seen the effects of people that have lived a tough life and how it affects your body and, and affects things. So anyway, my point is that I believe that sickness is not just something that's natural that every person has to put up with. I believe you can literally have sickness turned off. Now, let me clarify some things. I am not saying that if you've got sickness that somehow or another you're a bad person or anything like that. You know, it's similar to like... Uh, lifting weights. I've got every muscle in my body that Arnold Schwarzenegger has. Why are you laughing? 
It's true. I got exactly the same muscles as any bodybuilder, but they aren't developed. Just because they aren't developed doesn't mean they couldn't be developed. If I wanted to spend four or five hours a day and go through all this stuff, I could, I could increase myself and do a lot of things. I could run a marathon. I've run a half marathon and I was training for a marathon and I did it too quickly. It's a long story. But anyway, I believe that I could run a marathon if I was to train for it. I believe that all of us could. And so if I come along and say that you have the ability to lift weights and to build your body up, if you have the ability to run a race, does anybody criticize me for that? and say that, you know, you shouldn't tell people that. You shouldn't get their hopes up. I'm just telling you that's the potential. Now, whether you want to do that or not is your decision. And I'm telling you that this scripture gives us the potential that you can actually live a life free from sickness. You don't have to get sick. Again, am I condemning anybody who is? No, but I'm saying this is the potential if you haven't exercised yourself, if you aren't going to use your faith and you go ahead and do that, it's fine. You can, you can be sick and go to heaven. You'll get there quicker. There's nothing wrong with that. But I am saying that we need to change what we're shooting for. God wants you well more than you want to be well. And the good news is that Jesus has already purchased it for you. I've got over a hundred hours worth of teaching on the subject of healing. And I certainly hadn't got time to give all that to you tonight. But let me just real quickly say that you've got to start with the foundation that God wants you well. Some people believe God can heal, but they don't believe that he has already healed. First Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, you were healed. Jesus has already done everything about your healing that he's going to do. You aren't waiting on Jesus to heal you. Jesus has already produced the healing. It says by his stripes, we were healed. He's not going to get up off of his throne and take stripes in your body. That was done 2000 years ago. It's the same as salvation. Jesus doesn't die for people's sins today. He died 2000 years ago and people hear the good news. Faith comes by hearing and they believe and reach out and receive something that was purchased for them 2000 years ago. Healing is the same way. You don't have to get God to heal you. He's already released it. He's already paid for it. Every sickness and every disease. So it's already a done deal, but you have to reach out and take it. And most people don't look at it as being a done deal. They look like God can heal, but they don't believe he has healed until their body manifests the healing, until the doctor says you're well and all kinds of things that are hindrances. But God has already produced healing for every one of you. Every person, there is no exception. You got to believe that. And to me, I could spend days literally verifying that from scripture. But to me, the greatest indication that it's God's will to heal is Jesus. And it says that Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. I can do nothing independent. He never one time made a person sick. He never told a sick person, you haven't learned your lesson. You need to suffer more. Jesus is the manifest, um, token of who God is. And he never made anybody sick. He always took sickness away. Acts 10 38 says how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with power and with the Holy ghost who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, all, not some, but all. And it says they were oppressed of the devil and not oppressed of God. If you think God has given you the sickness, 
it will stop you from receiving your healing because you have to resist that sickness. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. You can't resist if you think God has a hand in it. If you think God is the one who allowed you to be sick, made you sick, you won't be able to resist, fight against it. If you really believe God made you sick, why would you take medicine or go to the doctor trying to get out of God's will? That's inconsistent. If God made you sick, well then be sick and get the full benefit of it. That's just weird. So the bottom line is you got to believe that it's God's will. All right, if it's God's will, then why doesn't it just automatically happen? Well, let me ask you this. Is it God's will that every person be saved? Yes. Well, then why isn't everybody saved? Because you've got a choice. And there's people who want to be saved, but they don't know how to do it. They think it's through Buddha, through Muhammad. They think it's through, you know, going on a, on a, to Mecca or doing something. And they're trying to find relationship with God, but they aren't doing it God's way. Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. Just because a person desires to have a relationship with God doesn't mean they're going to obtain it because it's the truth that sets you free. And it's only the truth, you know, that sets you free. So if that's true about forgiveness of sins, it's the same thing about healing. God wants every single person well. He has paid for your healing, but you've got to know the truth. And there are laws that govern how it works. You know, I use this example this morning, but electricity has been here in creation since day one, but man didn't know the laws. They could see it. It was evident. Did you know that a lightning storm is electricity? I read a thing that one typical lightning storm has enough energy in it to power the city of New York, New York City for a full year in one uh, thunderstorm. There's that much electricity and people could see it, but they didn't understand it. They didn't know how to harness that power and that energy. It wasn't God who didn't have it available. We just didn't understand it. And it's the same thing. He has released more than enough power to produce healing in your body, but you've got to learn some things. Faith comes by knowledge. It says all things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. So we've got to know the truth. What we don't know is killing us. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And so here's, here's one of the things about healing that the Lord has shown me is that healing is governed by law. You know, it says in Romans chapter three, verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. There is a law of faith. You know, when you talk about a law of gravity, you're talking about something that's universal, something that's the same all over the earth. It's consistent. It's a law. If gravity worked right here, but it didn't work in China, it wouldn't be a law. It'd be a phenomenon. A law of nature is something that is consistent. Did you know when a plane crashes, like we had a plane crash in Colorado Springs back 35, 40 years ago that stumped the FAA for like two decades. They just they did all of this research and this plane actually accelerated 
and went into the ground. And there was nothing more than just a little piece of metal, like a foot wide that was found. And it created a crater and they couldn't figure out why that plane crashed. And they did years worth of research. But did you know when they finally came out, they said it's unknown causes. They just couldn't come up with it. Later, they found out it was wind shear. This is before they really understood that. But uh, at the time, they didn't know what caused it. And they just came out and they said it's unknown causes. But nobody came out and said, well, gravity must have spiked. Because see, gravity is governed by law and they know that gravity is consistent. They didn't say that, well, gravity was just 10 times normal or maybe the law of aerodynamics just quit this day. No, see, there are certain things that we take as being laws. That means they're consistent and you have to learn what these laws are and cooperate with them. If you violate them, those same laws that are intended to help you can kill you. If you walk off a 10-story building God loves you and he doesn't want you to die, but he's not going to suspend gravity just so that you could live because there'd be millions of people fly off the road and all kinds of things that happen and people would be hurt. There are laws and you have to cooperate with these laws. Well, in the same way that there are laws in nature, there are also laws in the spiritual realm. And I just quoted that verse, Romans chapter three, verse 27, where it says the law of faith. There are laws that govern faith. And again, I'm not going to spend my whole time tonight talking about this, but the Lord has shown me probably a hundred laws, things that are important when it comes to healing. And I don't think I know them all, but I've learned a lot of them and I'm seeing a lot of good results happen. The fifth chapter of the book of Mark, you can see the woman who came and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she was just healed. And Jesus could feel the power go out of him, but he didn't know who touched him. So he turned around and he said, who touched me? He didn't know who touched him. This is really significant because this means that he didn't just size this woman up and evaluate her, whether she was in faith, whether she had prayed enough, whether she had done this enough. There are laws, just like you grab electricity. If it's a live wire and if you're grounded, it's just a law that causes that electricity to flow through you. It's not the electric company saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'll make an example out of you. There's nothing personal about it. They're just laws that if you violate those laws or if you use them in the correct way, it just flows. Same thing with healing. And so this woman put some of those laws into effect and because of it, the healing power of God just flowed and Jesus didn't size her up. It's just, it's just automatic. Like I was teaching this morning, you sow that seed and it automatically of herself bears fruit. There are laws that govern healing. And likewise, if you violate those laws, then these laws will stop healing from flowing. You know, the way God created electricity, electricity flows through copper better than it does through wood. I hadn't got time to teach you on this, but hopefully everybody understands that. You know, I, I work with wood. I make things out of wood. And so it's easy for me to work with wood. I don't work with metal. Metal is more expensive than wood. And so I might say, well, I'd rather wire my house with wood than copper. It's cheaper. It's easier to work with. And so I'm going to do that. You can do whatever you want, but the law of electricity, it doesn't flow through wood the same as it does through copper. And if you don't use those laws and cooperate with them, it's not going to work for you. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. You may sit there and say, well, I believe if God wanted me healed, he'd just heal me. That's not what the word says. 
You can find an example in the sixth chapter of the book of Mark where Jesus was in his, was in his hometown and he said he could heal no one except he laid his hand upon a few sick folk. Not that he wouldn't do it, he couldn't do it. And you put Mark 6, 5 together with Matthew 13, 58, the same story. He says he couldn't do it because of their unbelief. Unbelief is an insulator that keeps the power of God from flowing. And so if you don't understand this and you just think, well, if God wanted this person healed, he could just heal a person. No, he can't move independent of faith. Faith is the conduit. It's the conductor for his power. And if you've got unbelief, which fear is unbelief, worry is unbelief and on and on, these things can insulate and stop the power of God from flowing. There are laws that govern faith. Another law that governs faith is faith without works is dead. James chapter two, verse 20. If you're praying for healing and acting sick, you're insulating, you're stopping the flow of that power. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I had a man come to me just a year or so ago and he was crying and he says, I believe what you're saying about healing and I believe it's God's will and yet I just don't have any power. Would you please pray for me? And the Lord spoke to me and he says, it says right there, death and life are in the power of of his tongue. I said, he's got power, but he's using it against himself instead of for himself. When somebody comes up and says, how are you? And you say, oh man, I'm dying. You just shot yourself in the foot. You were just stopping the power of God. And somebody said, well, I'm just telling the truth. You're just being carnal is what it is. I'm not saying that in anger, but I'm saying there is natural truth. I don't deny natural truth. I don't deny that sickness exists and that Satan hits my body with things, but I do deny that that's all there is and that I'm only physical and I just have to put up with what I feel. You know, it was just last week, I've been moving and doing some things and man, I had my hand start hurting. Uh, I don't know what it was. I guess that's what some people would call arthritis, but I just said no in the name of Jesus. And I was taking this lid off of a jar and I, man, it hurt. And I said, no. And I put that lid on and off of that jar 50 times or a hundred times speaking in tongues, saying no in the name of Jesus. I don't deny that I have a physical problem, but you aren't going to hear me sit here and speak and glorify that problem. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And some people think, well, I just think you're wrong there. You know, again, I'm trying to get to someplace else and I may get there. I don't know. But anyway, Jesus, when he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, his disciples, you know, he says, um, Lazarus uh, is asleep. And he was talking about that he was dead, but he didn't want to use the word dead because to people, words communicate, words release things. And if he would have just said, Lazarus is dead, the unbelief of these disciples might have stopped what he wanted to do. Again, Mark chapter six, he couldn't heal everyone because of their unbelief, not his. The problem wasn't him, but other, other people have to believe and receive. And so he said, Lazarus is asleep. And when they misunderstood what he said, they said, well, if he's asleep, he'll do well. He's been sick. That'll be good for him. Finally, Jesus said, Lazarus is dead. He didn't deny physical truth. But when he said, Lazarus is dead, he says, but 
I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there to the intent that you might believe. If he had been there, he would have raised Lazarus up. But he says, now I'm glad that I wasn't there to the intent that you might believe. So he acknowledged the problem. He acknowledged the physical thing, but he countered it immediately with saying that I'm going to overcome this. So it's not wrong to say that you've got a problem, but I believe God has already healed me. It just depends on where you put your butt. If you say, yeah, Jesus has healed me, but I feel sick. That's not going to work. But if you say, I feel sick, but Jesus has healed me, well, then that's okay. Amen. So anyway, it's not, I'm not saying that you ignore problems, but I'm saying that you've got death and life right here in the power of your tongue to be able to overcome those things. Let me share this with you out of uh, Mark chapter 11. This is the passage of scripture that Kenneth Hagin wrote. He taught on this so much people thought he wrote it, but he didn't. But this became a life scripture for him. And this is where Jesus was going into Jerusalem and he saw a fig tree and it wasn't time for figs, but it also wasn't time for leaves. A fig tree in Israel puts out figs before it puts out leaves. So this fig tree was a hypocrite. It was professing something it didn't possess. And so when Jesus saw the fig tree, uh, the leaves, he went expecting to receive some figs. And when he didn't find it, he cursed that tree and says, no man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And some people think, well, that's wrong. No, Jesus is the one that created everything and told it how to function. This fig tree was a pervert. It was functioning independent of what Jesus told it to do. And he had every right to curse that fig tree. So he just, and, and if you'll look at this in uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 14, it says, Jesus answered and said unto it, to the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He not only talked to the fig tree, he answered the fig tree. Did you know things will talk to you? Do you know your body will talk to you? The Bible says by his stripes you're healed and your body will say, well, you aren't healed. It'll talk to you. Anything that talks to you, a feeling, an emotion, anything that talks to you, talk back to it. And so he just spoke to it and his disciples heard it. And the next day as they were, they went home apparently the same way that day. But then the next day, 24 hours later, when they went back, the fig tree was dried up from the roots. If you read this in Matthew's account, it says the fig tree died immediately but what happened immediately wasn't visible until the next day because the fig tree dried up from the roots. And so here's Jesus who spoke to a fig tree. It happened immediately, but there was no physical evidence of it right then. It took 24 hours for what had happened below the surface to become visible. And when his disciples saw it, it says over here in Mark chapter 11, in verse 20, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. You know, we don't have the benefit of hearing his inflection of his voice. But I can guarantee you, Peter didn't just go, Master, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. <laughs> this was more like, Master, <laughs> the, he was shocked. This fig tree is dead and you didn't touch it. You didn't take a knife to it, a, an ax to it. You didn't pour salt on it. You spoke. 
spoke to it and the fig tree is dead. And we also don't have the benefit of hearing how Jesus responded, but I guarantee you, he didn't go have faith in God. (laughs) It was more like have faith in God. When are you guys going to believe? I've been with you three years. This is the week before his crucifixion. Three years he had been with them and they were still shocked to see faith in operation. Have faith in God. When are you guys going to believe? And then he began to explain how he did this. He said in verse 23, for verily I say unto you, the word verily means truly. Everything Jesus said was truth. And when he had to start his statement by saying truly, Verily, it's because what he was going to say was so unbelievable, people would think, well, he must not mean what he says. So he just qualified it. Look, I'm telling you the truth. Verily, I say unto you that whosoever, who in here is a whosoever? If you're breathing, you're a whosoever. This isn't just for preachers. This isn't just for full-time super saints. This is for Joe Blow and Jane Doe Christian. This is for whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. There are three times in this passage of scripture that he said, whosoever will say, under this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Right here, he's telling you how to release faith. How did he curse this fig tree? First of all, he spoke to the fig tree. He didn't talk to God about the fig tree. He didn't say, father, curse this fig tree. He cursed this fig tree. He understood that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. He understood his authority. And it's implied in here when he said, whosoever will say to this mountain, he didn't tell you to talk to God and ask God to cast the mountain into the sea. It's implied that you understand you have authority. You have power. And I'm telling you, this is where I'd I'd say the majority of Christians miss it. You know, when I hold my own meetings, I'll go out an hour before every service and I'll just pray with people. And I may pray with 50 people before a meeting. And I would say that probably 80 to 90% of the time when a person tells me what their situation is and I minister to them, this is their answer is that they're asking God to do what he told them to do. He told you to speak to the mountain, not to talk to God about your mountain, but talk to your mountain about God. You talk to the problem. That implies that you have authority. And yet the average Christian will, oh God, we have nothing. We are nothing. We can do nothing, but we know that you can do all things. Would you stretch forth your hand? That's a chicken prayer. How can you miss with that kind of prayer? If something happens, well then thank you, Jesus. And if nothing happens, well, it must be God's will. God told us to go heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Matthew chapter 10, verse eight. In the third chapter of the book of Acts, Peter and John were walking into the temple at the hour of prayer and they saw a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. You find out in the fourth chapter, that was 38 years. He was 38 years old. And they looked at him and they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have 
give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they just reached out and grabbed him by the hand and lifted him up. And he immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. They said, such as I have. Did you know that would get them kicked out of nearly any church in America? You're claiming that you've got healing. Oh, it's not me. I'm not the source. I've, I've used this example of electricity. I'm not the source of electricity, but it's been put at my command. I can flip the switch and turn it on. I'm not the source. I can put a light bulb in my mouth and it'll never come on. I am not the source, but that power is at my command. And I don't call the electric company and ask them to turn on the lights. I go over there and flip it on, believing that they are keeping their contract with me. And I just flip the switch and it comes on. In that sense, I have authority and I am supposed to speak to my problem. Talk to the problem, not talk to God about my problem. And then it says you have to believe that what you say will come to pass. And I tell you, in our world today, in the Western world, we do not put an importance on words. You know, they've come up with a test for politicians to find out if they're lying. You look them square in the face and if their lips are moving, they're lying. That may not be true of everybody, but it's a pretty good indication. But today people will say all kinds of things and they'll sit there and say that, you know, the Bible didn't say in Exodus chapter 20, thou shalt not lie. It says you shall not bear false witness. There's a difference. You can say nothing but truth, but only give bits and pieces and misquote and misapply. Like I've been the source of uh, our newspapers in Colorado Springs and Woodland Park for the last three weeks or so. And they are taking quotes from me, but they are making me say things that I've never said. It's false witness. It may not be a lie. Well, didn't you say that? Well, yes, I said that, but it's not what they're saying. And anyway, you can manipulate things and you can twist things. And in our society, people do this all of the time. And we've gotten to where we just don't mean what we say. If you tell somebody you'll be there at seven o'clock, you may leave home at seven o'clock and get there at 7.15. And then you say, in the name of Jesus, I believe that what I say comes to pass. Your body's gonna say, what makes these words any different than all the other words that you never keep? You know, I had a man come and put in a security system or he wanted to put in a security system. I had an appointment at 10 o'clock and he didn't get there till 1030. And when he walked in, I noticed that he had a holster on his belt with a cell phone in it. And I said, I see you got a cell phone. You could have called and let me know. I said, I've got a lot of other things to do. And he says, well, I know, but you know, it was just traffic and I was busy, but I'm here now. And I said, you can leave. And he said, well, I had an appointment. I said, yeah, 10 o'clock. And you didn't call me and you didn't let me know that the traffic was bad. I said, you could have. And he said, but I'm here now. And I said, but your word doesn't mean anything to you. And if you treat me this way before I get your business, what's it going to be like after you get my business and, and I need something? You aren't going to keep your word. I said, I don't need you. And some people would think, well, that's a little strict. You've got to believe that your words come to pass. 
And you can't sit there and say, oh yeah, I'll be there at such and such. Oh yeah, I did this. And you shade the truth. And, and if it doesn't work out to your benefit, you'll, you'll present things in a way that makes you look good. If you're selling a product, you'll only talk about the good things about your product and you'll criticize your opponent when you, you don't give them the whole story and stuff. You know what? You are training yourself that words don't mean anything. You don't put this kind of authority on words. Jesus said that if you want to see so that you just talk to a tree and say, you're dead and that thing dies. If you want that kind of power released, it starts with your words. Faith is voice activated. Over in Psalms chapter 91, it says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. All of the promises in Psalms 91 are dependent on dwelling in the secret place, not visiting there, not going there on vacation, not spending the weekend there. You dwell under the shadow of the almighty. And then verse two says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. You have to say it. There's a lot of people that won't say it. You know, when the COVID hit, Psalms chapter 91, verse 10 says, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. Only with your eyes will you see and behold the reward of the wicked. And so I got up and said that. And did you know that the churches in Woodland Park, Colorado, where I was, man, they came out against me and criticized me. How dare you say that no plague will come nigh your dwelling? That's what the Bible says. But they got mad at me. Churches, how dare you say that? You believe that you're immune to sickness? No, I believe I could get sick, but I believe that I'm exerting my faith and that he's turning off sickness and I don't get sick and I'm not planning on getting sick. I just don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. And if you want to be sick and fight for sickness, you can have it. I just don't want it. And I'm believing and I'm saying, and because of it, like I said at the beginning, I've had two colds. I've had two colds in 54 years. And that was because of stupidity, not because my faith didn't work. I am mortal and I have to learn how to take care of myself. And so I, be I believe that you can walk in health and I say it, but did you... I love you guys. I'm glad you came out to hear me. I hope you'll come back sometime. But did you know what? There are many of you, I dare to say most of you in here would never say that no plague will ever come nigh your dwelling. Well, thank you. Thank you. But I can bear, guarantee you that most of you in here wouldn't say it because you're afraid it may not work. And then you'd be made out to be a liar and it, and so you just would never say it. And if you won't ever say it, if you don't have enough faith to say it, you certainly aren't going to experience it. You got to start saying, whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things that he says comes to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. Most people are saying what they have when the Bible says you can have what you say. Those are two different things. Most people are saying, oh, the doctor says this, or my body feels this. 
But the Bible says that by his stripes, you were healed. No plague will come nigh your dwelling. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God's word is health unto all of your flesh and life to them that find it. And on and on you could go quoting scriptures. Why aren't you saying those things? Most of us are saying what we have instead of having what we say. You can literally, there's power in your tongue. You can release supernatural power speaking to your problem. You know, I, I may have given this example the last time I was here. We had a healing service and I use this example a lot, but it's just the best example of what I'm talking about that I've ever personally experienced. So uh, I've heard it a hundred times and I still get blessed. So even if you've heard this, I believe it can still minister to you. But I, I went to Charlotte, North Carolina, 32 years in a row and preached in a church there. And one of my partners in Matthews, North Carolina, always invited me over to his business. And he told the people, the clock is running. I'm paying you to listen to this man. And he had just let me talk as long as I want to. And then I'd go pray with people afterwards. And anyway, there was a um, woman in Charlotte that uh, had... I forgot what the disease was, but she had constant pain. The doctor said on a scale of one to 10, her pain was a constant 11. And she had this for like either seven or nine years. And she was supposed to have died two years before I met this lady. But the people that I was staying with, they told her uh, that, you know, I see a lot of people healed and they invited her over to get prayer. And so anyway, she walked in and the way she was surviving, she had magnets taped all over her body. And then she had magnets sewn into a blanket that she covered herself with. And uh, somehow or another, these magnetic fields lessened the pain. And this woman for seven years or nine years, whatever, had been basically housebound and couldn't do anything. So she came over. It's a long story, but she was believing that God was the one that wanted her to be sick. And I had to counter that. She believed God was getting glory out of her being sick. And I showed her, no, that God always got glory when people are healed. And I, I countered a lot of her doctrine. Finally, I prayed for and commanded this pain to leave. And when I got through, I said, so do you have any pain? And she moved around. Then she stood up and she took this blanket off and she says, no pain. It's the first time in nine years or whatever that she had been totally pain-free. And she says, but I've got a burning or a stinging right here in my back at, at the waist. And she said, why is the stinging still there? And I said, because you didn't tell me you had stinging. I didn't talk to stinging. I talked to pain. I said, watch this. And then I talked to pain or stinging, whatever it was, and commanded it to leave. And she was totally free. And so I spent about 20 minutes teaching her these exact scriptures that I've shared with you, that you have to speak to the mountain and not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say comes to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. And I taught her, I said, if you ever have another pain, it doesn't mean you weren't healed. It just means it's like the devil knocking on the door. He knows that when I speak, I believe what I'm saying. He's not sure about you. So he may come back and you could have a pain or something, but that doesn't mean you lost it. You don't lose a healing. You can't lose a healing. You could quit believing. And if you have a pain come back and you think, oh no, I wasn't healed or oh no, I've lost it. Well, then you just opened up the door and invited him in. But I said, you just speak to him the way I spoke to it. You speak to that pain. And it'll work for you the same as it worked for me. So anyway, I spent about 20 minutes teaching her that. She was getting ready to leave. She put her hand on the doorknob and when she did, she just froze. 
And she looked back over her shoulder and she says, the stinging's back. And I said, well, I've been teaching you what to do. So I said, I'm going to let you pray and I'll agree with you. So I joined hands with this woman and I said, now you pray. And she, she prayed a prayer nearly word for word. This is about what she said. She says, father, I thank you that this is not from you, that this is not from you by your stripes. I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed. I claim my healing in the name of Jesus. Did you know that's not a good prayer? All of you clapped. I'm sorry to embarrass you. You said good things. Those are all great things to say. It's true, but that's not what Jesus told us to do. And this is why most of us, we're saying, oh, Father, I believe I'm healed. And you'll quote scripture and you'll do things and they're good things to say, but it is not what Jesus told you to do. So when she got through, I said, so do you still have the burning? She said, yes. Why do I still have the burning? I said, because you didn't do what Jesus told you to do. She says, tell me again. So I told her, you have to speak to the mountain. And she says, you mean I'm supposed to say burning in the name of Jesus? I'm supposed to talk to burning like it's a person? I said, yes. And she said, I'll do it. So we joined hands again and she goes burning in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as she got. And she says, it's gone. And that was back in 2001. And I've seen that woman a couple of times since then. And, and I think that she's still healed. Last time I talked to her, she was doing great. And did you know it was because she wasn't putting the laws into motion. She wanted to be healed. She had prayed and asked and begged God to heal her a million times, but she had not spoken to the problem. She had talked to God about her problem. She didn't take her authority and speak and believe that her words had power in them. But death and life are in the power of our tongue. And you've got to believe that God, he, he not only heals, he has given you power to heal. He told you to go heal the sick. He told you that you can speak over your body and you can bridle your body with your tongue, James chapter three. And so you've got to believe that God has done his part, that he's put on the inside of you this miraculous power and you can release that power by your words. You got to believe in your heart and believe that what you say comes to pass. You may have to have a lifestyle change to where you start getting to where you keep your word. And if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do it. You know, when Pat came to pick us up, he was five minutes early. And I said, man, you were five minutes early. And he said, if you aren't five minutes early, you're five minutes late. And that's exactly the way we operate. We, I guarantee you, if I say that somebody's going to pick me up at a certain time, I'm going to be there. Or if something happens, I'll do anything I can to let them know that some emergency happened, but I'm going to honor my word. I'm going to do what I say if all, if it humanly possible. And yet most people don't put that importance on words. And then you wonder why your body won't respond to you. You've trained it that you don't mean what you say. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> You're going to have to change your lifestyle. You're going to have to start training yourself that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm not going to, first of all, promise anything that I can't deliver on. And then if I do say it, I am going to do it. 
three o'clock this morning, the Lord woke me up and I, I thought about some things for maybe a couple of hours this morning. I was in a dream and the Lord spoke some things to me and I'm considering making some decisions. But you know what? I'll think about it and pray about it for quite a while. And because if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to just say, oh, well, that's a good idea. I think I'll do it. I'm going to think about this thing. And if I won't say it until I am committed to doing it. And once I say, you know, the scripture says, I believe it's Psalms chapter 15, verse four, that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. You have to get to where you use the power of words. There's death and life in the power of your tongue. And when it comes to healing, this is one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples that you have to talk to the problem. If you've got pain in your body, don't say, God, I've got pain in my body. Tell pain, pain, you have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Pain, you get out of my body. Swelling in your body. I command this swelling to go down. Eyes, I speak to you in the name of Jesus and I command you to see. I release this supernatural power of God that lives on the inside of me. And I speak that I have 20 20 eyesight in the name of Jesus. Again, some people, well, you just, you know, as you get older, you have to do this. Moses was 120 years old. His natural force wasn't abated, nor his eyesight dim. Psalms, I mean, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, I believe it's verse seven. If that was true for Moses under an old covenant, under an inferior covenant, why in the world can't we believe for it? Am I upset with you if you don't have perfect eyesight? I don't have perfect eyesight. I'm working on it. But this is small print. And I'm 73 and I can still read it. Amen. And I hadn't had surgery or anything. I'm not against anybody that has glasses. If you want to look at the world through glasses, that's just fine. Have, have at it. But I am saying, when are you going to start believing? Are you going to wait until it's cancer? And then you're going to start exercising yourself. That's like a person that wants to lift 500 pounds, but you're going to go straight from zero to 500. You got to start with one pound or five pounds or 10 pounds, and you got to work up to it. When are you going to start believing? Sure, you can just go take a pill to get over a headache or something like that, but it would be better if you took the gospel and begin to start exercising your faith. And then once you see victory over that headache and then you see victory over a cold and then you see victory over your allergies and stuff, by the time cancer comes knocking, you've already built yourself up so that now you know that when you say something, it's going to happen. But the average Christian, man, I'm not against doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, most of us would be dead. Christians hadn't been believing God. They used the doctors as a front line of defense. I'm not against doctors. I got a doctor that's on my board. I'm not against doctors, but I am saying that doctors shouldn't be the first line of defense. And only if it's beyond the doctor's ability, do you try and believe God? You need to start with the headache, with the cold, with the toothache. You need to start believing God someplace and exercising yourself unto godliness. Amen. And you know, I just... Again, there's a lot of people that think that I'm lying, but I just don't get sick. I don't believe in being sick. I hate sickness. I wouldn't get sick any more than I'd go sin. And some people think, well, that's a weird comparison. Well, sin is not God's best for us and sickness isn't God's best. He wills for you to be well. I resist sickness the way I'd resist having a, committing adultery. 
I fight against it. I hate it. You know, Daniel Amstutz is the man that does our healing school every uh, Thursday afternoon. And we've had tens of thousands of healings. And uh, Daniel traveled with me one time for about six weeks. And he said that one of the things, he, he believes in healing and he's seen a lot of miracles of healing, but he still has sickness come his way every once in a while. And he was wondering why uh, he gets sick sometimes and I don't. And he said, after traveling with me, he says, I know why. He says, you hate sickness more than I do. And I do, I hate sickness. I might've had maybe two headaches in my life. I'm not sure exactly what a headache is, but anytime it goes to feeling abnormal, I'll fight it like it's cancer. I wouldn't allow a headache. I'm not going to allow a cold. I'm not going to allow anything. I hate sickness. Jesus died for my physical healing just as much as he died for my forgiveness of sins. And I'm not going to just let that lay on the table and say, well, as forgiveness of sins is essential, but sickness is something that I can live with. This is why most people are sick is because you can tolerate it. As long as you can tolerate sickness, you will. But when you get to a place that Jesus purchased my healing and I've got power in my mouth and I, whoever says unto this sickness, unto this disease, be removed, be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt in your heart, you can have what you say. If that's true, then man, you ought to get to where I refuse to be sick. I refuse to have this. I refuse to be less than what God called me to be. And I know many of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird <laughs> for having healing as part of our redemption. And yet you just aren't receiving it. Let me give this one last thing and I quit with this. But you know, when I was eight years old, I had a man come to our Baptist church and this was during a um, vacation Bible school thing. Normally my family, we had our own pew right down here on the left side. We were like skunks. We had our own pew. It was our pew. And so I normally sat right there on the front, but because it was vacation Bible school, there were 600 kids. They set me in a group that was at the back of the auditorium. And this man stood up here and he held a $1 bill up. And he said, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And immediately there was 20 or 30 kids all around him just saying, I want it, I want it. And I thought of all times to be sitting at the back of the auditorium. That was just wrong. And this guy just ignored him and he kept his arm in the air and he said, I'll give this dollar bill to the first kid that comes up here and takes it. And everybody was wondering, what's this guy talking about? Everybody's wanting it. And he just kept repeating it and repeating it. And finally it hit my lightning fast mind what this guy was saying. And I got out and I ran down the aisles and I pushed myself through all those kids. And I reached up and grabbed his arm and climbed up his side. And I grabbed that dollar bill. And he looked at me and he said, that is the first kid that came up here and took it. He said, all of you wanted it. But I said, I'd give it to the first one that came up and took it. And he used that to illustrate that Jesus has provided salvation, but you have to reach out and by faith, take it. You just can't say, God, if you want me saved, save me. Well, you likewise can't say, God, if you want me heal, heal me. If it's your will, heal me. No, Jesus has provided it but are you going to reach out and take it? And if you, have, if you tolerate sickness, then you aren't taking it. You have to get to a place to where I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm not going to live this way. 
And you say, but what power do I have? Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Start using your words. Curse sickness. Death and life. Curse cancer. Curse diabetes. Say, I curse you in the name of Jesus. I command you to get out of my body. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to be like this. Somebody thinking, you act like you're angry. I am angry. Smith Wigglesworth, he used to hit people and punch people. One time he took a one-year-old baby and kicked him off of the platform into the front row. And when the baby landed in the mother's arm, it was healed. And people said, Smith, why do you do things like this? What's wrong with you? And he says, I'm not mad at people. I'm mad at the devil. And I can't help it if their body gets in between me and the devil. He said, I'm just against the devil. I can guarantee you people who see healing, you got to get an attitude. You got to get an attitude that, hey, I am the victor. You have no right to dominate me. I refuse to submit to this. I resist the devil and he'll flee from me. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 26, it says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And people have interpreted that as, well, God knows we're human and you're going to get mad sometimes. And so God will allow you to get mad. Just make sure you get it confessed every night before you go to bed. That is ridiculous. This is not God giving approval to anger as long as the sun is up. This is saying, be angry and sin not. There is a righteous anger. There is a godly anger. As it says in Romans 12, 9, it says, abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. You are supposed to hate evil. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. God gave you a capacity for hate. The sad sad thing is we've used it against people. You aren't supposed to hate people. You aren't fighting flesh and blood. You are supposed to hate the demonic stuff. You are supposed to hate sickness. Most people don't hate sickness. They cope. You know, one of the reasons that you see more healings in foreign lands than you do in America is because in America, we have all kinds of coping mechanisms. We've got handicap, which again, I'm not saying that those things are wrong in themselves, but you can tolerate sickness. You can survive. You can take pills that help you to deal with it. In foreign countries, those people are fighting life and death. And even if it doesn't kill them, they can't function normally and they don't have a welfare system. And those people are more motivated. They hate sickness. Whereas many of us, you just tolerate it. It's just a part of life is just being sick. You need to get to where you hate Sickness, when it says, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, that means that you're supposed to always hate sickness, hate poverty, hate these things, and don't ever let it go to bed. Don't ever let it become dormant. Keep yourself stirred up. You gotta hate sickness. You gotta hate sickness as much as you hate sin. And I guarantee you, when you get that attitude, the devil at heart is a coward. And when he sees that you aren't going to back down, he will tuck tail and run. But if you are saying the right things, but in your heart, you're fearful and you aren't sure and you aren't confident, he'll, he'll take advantage of you. You know, I've been treed by dogs all over America when I was out running. One time in Sylacauga, Alabama, I got treed for two hours at five in the morning and had to wait until the people got up to call their dogs off. And then I was with a guy in his home and he had a pit bulldog that was an attack dog and it had trophies on the mantle. 
And I was fine with that. I'm not, I don't have a fear of dogs, but it was a pit bulldog that was an attack dog. And at night, he was going to put me in that dog's room to spend the night. And I said, what if I have to get up during the night? What's going to happen with this dog? And he said, dog won't bother you. And I looked at all these trophies and I said, it's an attack dog. And he says, it's an attack dog. It's not a mean dog. And I said, what's the difference? And he says, I've taught this dog how to act. He, and he gave me an example. A burglar broke into his house and nobody was home. And this dog took him down and for two hours held him on the ground with his mouth around the guy's arm. And if the guy started to move, the dog would growl and squeeze, but it never broke the skin. It never hurt him. He says, that's an attack dog. He said, a dog that would bite you is a mean dog. And he says, I wouldn't put up with that. And something changed on the inside of me. And I realized I had been letting dogs intimidate me. And yet God gave me authority over dogs. And you know, when I was running after that, I mean, I got an attitude. I had two Doberman pinchers come out against me. And I mean, I got down in their face screaming and yelling at them and kicking and hitting. And I never touched one of them because they saw my attitude and boom, they were gone. And I've never been backed down by a dog since then because I have authority over them. I have authority over sickness, but Satan is like a dog, a cur dog that he knows whether you are believing or not or whether you're saying be gone in the name of Jesus and you're really in fear. You can release fear quoting the name of Jesus. I was casting demons out of a guy one time. And I mean, he manifested and these terrible things started happening. And you should have heard all the people you know, on the front row. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they were just quoting it as fast as they could go. That wasn't releasing faith. That was releasing fear. You got to believe it in your heart. You got to get angry. You got to stand up and resist the devil and praise God, he will flee from you. How many of you are ready to stand up, take your authority and command, demand sickness to leave you? Man, if you're ready to do that and you need a healing in your body, I just want you to stand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come down here and they will agree with you, but you have to start it. You have to start by getting this attitude that I'm talking about and you take your authority and don't talk to God about your problem. Talk to your problem about God. Speak in the name of Jesus and start demanding that your body respond to you. Don't pray and wait. You take authority. You start resisting. Father, we just thank you for these truths. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the example you gave us. Thank you for the teaching that he gave us. Father, we thank you for the authority that you've given us. Thank you that we have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and that sickness is inferior, that you've already purchased our redemption from it. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight, all of these people who are standing that need a healing in their body, we just stand right now and we take authority and we speak to the problem. Don't just listen to me. You talk now. Use your words, use power and you talk and say sickness in the name of Jesus. I command you out of my body. 
deafness, I command you to leave. Stomach, I command you to work properly. Colon, you work. Legs, you work. Joints. Neuropathy, leave in Jesus' name. Poor eyesight, leave. Headaches, cancer, all kinds of sickness. We speak to you in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you to leave. Alzheimer's, leave in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Multiple sclerosis, we speak against you. We command you to leave now in the name of Jesus. Body, you respond. We command you to respond. I speak to this mountain and we command these mountains to be removed and we don't doubt in our heart. Father, we believe that the things that we say come to pass. And if it's like that fig tree, it may be tomorrow before we see the results, but we believe we receive when we pray. Right now, it's done. Satan, you are bound. We command you to be gone now. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, here's heart problems. Somebody was speaking to your heart. Here's, here's a word of knowledge to confirm that as you spoke, that heart is changed. You got a brand new heart right now in the name of Jesus. You know, as I, I'm calling these things out by a gift of the Spirit, and as I call them out, faith without works is dead. If you believe this is you, do something. And what we're offering is we've got prayer team down here. Come down here and just tell somebody that's me. I believe I'm healed and let them just agree with you and seal this deal and release the healing power of God. So here's a heart being healed. Shoulders are being healed right now. People that had rotator cuff problems, pain in your shoulder and you couldn't lift your hands up over your head. Right now, begin to move your hands, move around. Come down here and let someone agree and say, I believe I'm healed. People with irritable bowel syndrome is being healed right now. I'm not saying that you're getting set free <laughs> because uh, that'll be later, amen. But we believe you're healed right now in the name of Jesus. Bowels, you receive this healing. Praise God. Somebody's had a urinary infection and you have great pain and stuff when you urinate. Here's the healing power of God healing you. I'm speaking forth what's happening. You put your amen to it by coming forward and just telling somebody that I agree, that's me. I'm healed right now. Boy, here's neck pain right now being healed. Somebody that has had some damage to your neck, like a whiplash or something has happened. Here's the healing power of God and that pain is leaving. You haven't been able to turn your head without pain. Stiffness right now, your neck is being straightened out. In the name of Jesus, you're able to move. Back pain, you're able to bend when you haven't been able to bend without pain. Somebody here that struggled with your sleep, you've had insomnia, that is not God. The Bible says that you will lay down in peace and sleep for the Lord only makes you dwell in safety. Right now we command this insomnia to leave you in Jesus' name. You come forward and say, that's me. I receive this and from this moment on, insomnia is gone. I sleep. God gives his beloved sleep. I receive it in Jesus' name. Here's all kinds of joint problems, knees, shoulders, elbows, wrists. Here's pain, joints that have been stiff. Somebody that suffered with arthritis, 
Arthritis is gone and now we command the swelling, the calcium deposits to be gone in Jesus' name and for movement to come, able to walk in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Somebody's sense of smell has been affected. I don't know if that's COVID related. That's what they say one of the symptoms is, but whether it's COVID or something else, here's your smell being restored right now. That's you. You just take a deep breath and right here, you're able to smell again. Here's God healing your smell. Sinuses are being healed right now. People that have lived with sinus problems and you just think it's natural and that this is the way it's gonna be the rest of your life. In the name of Jesus, sinuses clear up right now. Right now, totally clear. Amen. Praise God. I believe somebody has the manifestation of that already. Your sinuses just cleared up. Allergies are gone. We command allergies to leave. We refuse to live our life with allergies, lactose intolerant, gluten intolerant and things. We rebuke all of that stuff in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that you are healing people. Peanut allergies, all kinds of allergies. We command those things to leave right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Praise God. I tell you, I believe that God is just touching so many things. I don't have to call it out in order for you to receive. If you would receive the word that I shared and act on it, you can see these healings come to pass without having me specifically call something out. I believe that God is healing people. Cripples, neuropathy are being healed right now. They're just all kinds of things. Father, we, we thank you. Thank you that you want us well more than we want to be well. And so we thank you. We agree. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I wished I had time to hear testimonies because I know that God has healed people as you've taken your authority. Real quickly, if you've already seen the manifestation, if the pain is gone, the sinuses are cleared, if something has already manifested, I want you to raise your hand and wave it at me so that we can see. Man, here's dozens, hundreds of people, lots of people. Wave real big if God's healed you, act like you're well. Man, isn't that awesome? And the rest of you, it's exactly like Mark chapter 11. Jesus spoke to the fig tree and immediately it was done, but it took about 24 hours for what was below the surface to manifest above the surface. You in your spirit right now have released this supernatural power and the Bible says you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That means that it'll happen uh, over a period of time. So I believe the rest of you have also been healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I believe that there's lots of people healed. Lots of people healed. Hard time what? Well, in the name of Jesus, I hadn't got, I'm sorry, but I can't pray for everyone and I don't have to pray for everyone. The word that I've given you is what works. So I agree and we just speak that this healing is there. You lay hands on her and pray with her. People around her lay hands on her. If there's somebody in here who's still got a manifestation of some sickness and your pain is still there or whatever, 
you know, raise your hand and let the people around you, if you still have a problem in your body, raise your hand and let the people around you lay hands on you and pray. And I'm gonna turn the service back over to Daniel here, but let me say that if you don't know Jesus, you need to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I'm gonna let Daniel uh, give this invitation, but I pray that you receive the truth that I was sharing. And if you'll act on it, praise God, you will be well. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.